So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Oh, the shark bait has such teeth there and it shows them so welcome everybody to Macklin's Take. Welcome back to Macklin's Take, I should say, because we've been away after a summer break. We've been away for longer than we really intended to be. Macklin's been off doing all sorts of important deals. Uh, that, that's why we haven't managed to get back <laughs> until, until now. But, but it's great to be back. It's absolutely great to be back. And as you'll hear, there is background noise. There is some ambiance, which is something that's been sadly missing for such a long time because we're back recording a podcast in person rather than in Zoom, which is, I've got to say, it's just very fucking exciting, to be honest with you. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to keep it together. I can feel myself getting slightly misty-eyed just at the the thought of it because it's it's been a long, old trek. Uh, throughout covid but we're back in a fight week and it resembles a normal fight week we're in the fight hotel ahead of aj against Usyk at the tottenham hotspur stadium that will have been and gone by the time you listen to this so we won't get into that too much although we will talk um some heavyweight action with our guest who is none other than top trainer manny robles manny great to see you as always um I kind of made a pact that I'm not really going to talk about COVID anymore, but we haven't seen you for a while. We haven't seen you since Saudi Arabia. So how, how's life? I mean, it wasn't that long after that that the, the, the world kind of shifted on its axis. How, how has life been for you? First of all, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here. I mean, what, what, what better place can you ask to be than London for such a great fight come Saturday night versus... Uh, uh, Anthony Joshua versus Usyk. I don't think it gets any better than that. I believe this is possibly the uh, the biggest fight of the year so far. Obviously, we have Wilder versus uh, 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 Tyson Fury, but this is just as big. You know, the you know heavyweight division is the king of all divisions. So it's it's great. It's great being here, and um, I'm great. I'm great. I have a fighter fighting on the card, and. I'm very excited to be here, very excited for my fighter as well, and we'll hope everything goes well come Saturday night. So, did, did you train Macklin briefly at some point? He trained uh, a few guys that he brought. So, back in 2010, I was training out in the wild card, uh-huh. and Manny was training a couple of Russian brothers called Fedor and Dmitry Chudinov, the, yeah, and he used to correct. bring them down to the wild card. We, used to, we sparred together yeah. for a couple of weeks and that, so that's when I first met Manny. That's oh, when we first I, met I, 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 I don't know, that was the first time I spoke to you. I recognised you that, that uh-huh. time, but um, yeah, I, I knew him from way back. And then uh, mm-hmm. my last fight in my career, I went out to Los Angeles training. I'd done a few rounds with Jason mm-hmm. Quigley, mm-hmm. who was Correct. training with uh, Manny at that time. Mm-hmm. And of course then, I liked the setup he had there at the Rock. He had some great mm-hmm. sparring mm-hmm. in and around the featherweight division. So of course, when I signed Michael Conlon, professional, I thought that's a great place for him to go. Manny's a good trainer. He's very committed. He's on all his guys. And... You know, in-house sparring is important, especially at that stage of Michael's career because he was 25 years old. So I thought they're going to move this kid quite quickly. So I want him to know where he's at. And you're sparring guys like Jesse Magdalene, Oscar Valdez, Manny's son as well. 
Uh, who else was there at that time? There was a few other okay, guys. Uh, Oscar Negrete. And, well, we, we, we've always had some great, yeah. particularly at that weight class. Yeah. We always had some very, very good fight, competitive, you know, up-and-coming fighters, uh, ranked fighters, uh, world mm. champions. So it, 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 there was never a bad no. sparring session, never no. at all. And because he had like, you know, 300 and some amateur fights, he was very experienced as an amateur and as in boxing. But, you know, he's 25 years old. He's probably going to move quickly. So it was important, I thought. That he has that in-house sparring, do you know what I mean? So uh, that was that was the move. He went there, and, and he, I think he had six or seven. Yeah, six, six or seven, seven fights yeah, right around that. there. Yeah, it was it was fun while yeah. it lasted, man. Yeah, like, yeah, we, man. we we uh, build a good relationship, a good working relationship, yeah. we're, and we're good friends up until this day. So Michael, Colin, and I, so we stay in touch from time to time, and he's doing well as a pro. Yeah, I was at his last fight. I was commentating on his fight against TJ Dehenny at, at Falls Park. It, it was some night that that. That place when he came out for his ring walk was it, it was unbelievable. I've, I've seen some good ones, but but that really does take some beating. Looks like he might have a fight coming up with with Lee Wood, so that would be featherweight rather than than super bantamweight. So there are so many things we could talk to you about. I, I do want to go back to the early days because people's kind of origin story in the sport, if you like, is is always really interesting. I find, but we will have a long a deep dive into the first fight between AJ uh, okay. uh, and Andy because we like to do this with big fights um, really get into the bones of it and we thought this afternoon we were both there mm-hmm. um, and we've never had the opportunity to really speak to someone in depth about that fight because it was just an unbelievable occasion an unbelievable happening in, in, in mm-hmm. boxing but how did it all start for you? How did you get into this into this mad old business? With, how did it start between Andy and I, you're asking, or, or just, just for you? Okay, just for, just you. for me. Well, I've been involved in boxing uh, for part, about 40 years now, possibly about maybe going on 41. I started boxing in LA, Los Angeles, California, in a, in a very famous gym called Azteca Gym, uh, where uh, some of the top Mexican fighters used to stop by and visit or and, and train at the gym. But the fighters are with like Julio Cesar Chavez. You can imagine having them there, and, and it was just a, incredible. Fighters like Hector Macho Camacho, a macho man, showman, the original showman. Uh, 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 you Don't know, come any Maro bigger Me- than Chavez. Oh, man, are you kidding me? And then uh, you know, fighters like uh, El Maromero Paez, you know, uh, great, another great Mexican fighter. And, and the list goes on and on and on. So I trained out of that gym and, uh, you know, had a decent amateur career, I had a decent uh, pro career. But, um, I, you know, one thing that to another, my dad was a co- boxing coach, was a very well-known boxing coach in, the, in the Southern California, and um, I just took on his footsteps, man, and, and uh, he, 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 you know, uh, groomed me, he, he was my mentor, my teacher, my everything, and eventually just, you know, one thing that to another, and then uh, boxing became part of my, my, my life, and then it became my career uh, uh, as a coach. And I've worked with countless fighters. I've had multiple world champions, thank God. I've, uh, not, you know, amateurs. I was part of the USA uh, amateur team. I uh, traveled the world. I lived in Brazil, worked with training, you know, the, the um, uh, uh, Brazilian amateur team. I went, been to countless international tournaments as, as an amateur, as a pro, uh, as a coach, that is. And now I'm here. I mean, I many many things that I've, I've been so many experiences great experiences that I've been through as, as, as a coach I mean I wouldn't know where to begin but I've been I've, I'm th- very thankful I'm humbled and I'm thankful and and you know thankful for being here I think every day of my life I wake up thanking God and you know sometimes I have to pinch myself because I can't believe that this is what I do, you know, and it's just, I'm blessed, definitely. We're all living the dream, aren't we? Aren't we? <laughs> Look, come on, now. it doesn't get any better than this, you know what I mean? It definitely does not. I'm going to take that as being a specific reference to being on this podcast, that this is... <laughs> oh, yeah, this is like a dream come true, come on. Are you kidding me? Come on now, guys, absolutely. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, in terms of becoming a trainer, most trainers, it's kind of the same, it... It creeps up on you. You, you. you go into the gym. You don't really kind of. Most trainers I've spoken to, anyway, they don't really. Fighters have a have a long term goal from the beginning, which is I'm going to be a world champion. They've got to achieve it through a series of day to day 
small steps. But Correct. that doesn't necessarily, well, in my experience, that, that's never the case with trainers. There's no, I don't know anyone who's become a trainer and thought, right, that's it, I'm going to train loads of champions and be amazing. It's just kind of one day you're carrying the bucket, the next day you're doing a bit more, the next day uh-huh. you're doing a bit more, then all of a sudden, before you know where you are, You've got a few fighters, it's 24-7, and there's no way out. Well, I have to be honest with you. For me, it was a little bit different, and that's because of my dad. My dad uh, was, as I said, was a very well-known coach in, in uh, Southern California, and I took on his footsteps. And, uh, you know, one day he invited me to come in under the, to the gym and say, hey, listen, why don't you come and work with me? Why don't you do what I'm doing? And uh, I, look, I've, I've always, for one way or another, I've always thought to myself, look, this is what I want to do. This is something I, that I definitely want to do for the rest had, of my life. Had you retired from your own career at that point? Pretty, pretty much. You know, I've held many different jobs. I, and I've many different, uh, you know, I've done many di- different things in life. I'm a carpenter by trade, right? And I'm a construction worker by trade. And that's hard. Now that's hard. And that's hard work. And then... Uh, but boxing, I, always, it, I, I was always involved, working with the amateurs, and then eventually worked my way up to work with pros, as I said, with my father. And I never looked back, man. Yeah. I've been very blessed. So w- working with the amateurs, I cover a lot of international amateur boxing, and, and, and absolutely, I absolutely love it. How, how difficult or easy is it to tell if a really good amateur, this is something we talk about a lot, mm-hmm. is going to be able to transition make a good pro because often you know it's 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 unpredictable it can be unpredictable well i'll I'll tell you what in southern california particularly which i i I would like i like to call southern california the boxing capital of the world and you've experienced that matthew i mean everybody comes to southern california for that good great sparring and good work and some of the best fighters in the world train in southern california so to answer your question uh Amateurs are trained like pros in Southern California. You know what I mean? We prepare our, 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 our amateur boxers for the pros, really. So we, we, never, we, we really don't train them, don't, don't, don't give them that uh, amateur style. It's always that aggressive, come forward, fight inside, going to the body. Aggressive type of combinations, aggressive type of professional boxing, if you will. And that's what you, that's what you find in the pros. So it, it, it's... it's uh, it is what it is, and it, this is what we do, and it, 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 it comes a second nature to us. I think when, um, you know, when the four two-minute rounds came in and the computer scoring came yeah. in, maybe not, over, maybe not the, by the next Olympics, but I think over the 20-year period that it was in, it, it started mm-hmm. to become not necessarily a great apprenticeship for mm-hmm. professional boxing, the amateur system. Mm-hmm. Generally around the world, Correct. so you had the, the East Europeans, they, were very, they had that mm-hmm. computer scoring system mm-hmm. to a T. But I think... Even though America probably wasn't as successful during that period of time Correct. in the Olympics, they were, they, they were still producing the best professionals. So the amateurs that would have gone to the Olympics from Correct. America that maybe didn't medal still went on and become great professionals. To become Errol world champions. Spence, for example. Absolutely. Great example. Yeah, you've, yeah. you've given us a great example how, you know, some of, uh, look at the 2012 amateur team. Nobody medaled. I was part of, the, I was part of that team. Nobody, nobody, you know, we had a great team. But nobody medaled. But yet, if you look at all the world champions that came out of that, that, that those Olympic Games, and ultimately, everybody's dream as an amateur is to win a, an, an Olympic medal. But at the end of the day, you, that it prepares you for what? For the pros. And the ultimate goal is to become a world champion. So you look at fighters like Joseph Diaz. If you look at fighters like Errol Spence, like uh, um, uh, uh, Jamel Herring, uh, um, uh, let's see... Uh, uh, Jamal Herring, Joseph Diaz, Errol Spence, uh, uh, Terrell Goucher, yeah. uh, uh, Dominic Brazil, that they didn't become a world champion, but fought for the world title in a couple of occasions. And a lot of fighters never reached that, 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 um, that, sta- that yeah. stage. So, you know, it's interesting. But at the end of the day, like I said, a lot of these uh, am- amateur, fight, amateur fighting, in the, particularly in the United States, are, I, I believe, are. are at, at the end of the day, it's that they have that pro style that that 
takes them further in their careers and eventually become world champions. Because, like you say, there's a, there, there, a lot of the, gym, the boxing gyms in America, and I've spent a lot of time there. They're pro am. They, they all yeah. train together. Really, it's not exactly. like oh, that's an amateur gym and that's a pro gym. Yeah. It's just a boxing gym and there's yeah. pros and amateurs in yes. there. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Every amateur spar with pros. Yeah. You have amateur fighters sparring with uh, you know world champions. So they have that. They get that great experience, if you will. That that you can, you will never you won't find anywhere else. It's a very unique place, Southern California, for boxing. That 2012 team is just, just for, for the reasons you just stated, yeah. just the, the perfect example because so many good fighters came out of it. And, and Team USA had a, had a pretty good Olympics at Tokyo, just gone. Duke Reagan, Kishon Davis, um, Richard Torres, um, they, all, they all got medals. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was anyone else off the, off the top of my head. Clarissa Shields, of course, came through that team in 2012 and then, and then 2016. It, it, it's just great watching fighters come through that and trying to predict mm-hmm. who's going to make it and who's and who's not and, and like, like you said Matt when they changed it to the 10 point must in 2013 things the, the, the styles change what, what, what do you make of should they wear head guards or should they not wear head guards because the way I look at it I go to a lot of tournaments and by the time you get to the finals fighters are quite banged up mm-hmm. some of the time and it's not it's not ideal I, I definitely disagree with uh with them, use, uh, them use, not using headgears. I, I believe that they should. Yeah, man. And they, at the end of the day, they are still amateurs, and you need to protect those fighters. Um, you know, I, I disagree with that. Now, th- another thing is I also disagree with professional fighters going back to and the me. amateurs. You bad, know? bad move, that. I, I believe that's a bad move. It, that's it. Yeah. Definitely. And you know the headguard one? For me, if no other reason than just this, and this is, I think this is enough of a reason, Look at the head clashes that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, just mm-hmm. to stop the head clashes, yeah. I would wear head guards. Yeah. You know, yeah, exa- exactly. You you can get to the later stages, and you have a final, and and someone's got a cut which opens up again after 10, 15 seconds mm-hmm. because you're looking at boxing four, five, maybe six times in the space of ten days or so. Um, every pro fighter trainer I speak to basically says that the head guard should go back on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether they'll they'll listen to that. Um, Ieba. Um, but um, yeah, stranger things have happened. Mm-hmm. Not many, but but, but stranger things have happened. Um, so I did say that we were going to have an in-depth chat about about that fight at, at Madison Square Garden back in in June 2019 because it was just. I mean, it's probably still now my most memorable ringside experience, uh, and everybody thinks that because we were there working for Sky that. that we all would have, you know, been throwing ourselves into the Hudson because Anthony Joshua lost. Um, but it wasn't. It wasn't like that. It, it gave you that unbelievable adrenaline dump that you can only get when you witness a phenomenal sporting event, and, and particularly when you see a big, a big upset like that. So, how did it start with? Let's take it back to the beginning. How did it start with you and Andy? Because he went to New Zealand, boxed Joseph Parker for the vacant WBO heavyweight title. That was December 2016. Then after that, I mean, he kind of disappeared. He had a couple of fights in in a couple of years, Devin Vargas and Kevin Johnson, I think. And I don't think he was far away from calling it a day. Well, look, uh, when, he, when he fought Joseph Parker, he was uh, uh, training with uh, Abel Sanchez. A great, another, another great coach in Southern California, great trainer, great, great, great teacher, great friend, Abel Sanchez at the time. And uh, he, obviously, as we all know, Andy came up short in that fight. He took a long break. And after that break, he came to me. You know, uh, the, his dad, the father, uh, uh, and uh, also his manager um, came looking for me at the gym, came to talk to me, said, hey, said, would you be interested in working with Andy Reese? I said, sure. Bring them down, you know. Let's let's see if we click. Let's see if we can, you know, uh, 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 you know. If there's good chemistry between him and I, and yeah, there we hit it right off. Uh, you know, I'm always busy at the gym working with different fighters. Thank God, you know, I'm always on the go. And uh, yeah, one thing led to another. You know, we had a, a, our first couple fights together. He did well. You know, you know, getting to know each other, looking good in the gym, and so forth and so on. At the time, he was with Top Rank, but he was having. Issues with uh, with uh, his promotional company, so they they he got his release. He took another you know long long break before he signed with uh, uh, Al Heyman and PBC, and uh, 
had a had a comeback fight versus Dimitrenko in Southern California, where he looked very good. He looked well, you know. He's I believe he stopped him in the seventh round, and it just so happens to make make a long story short that right after that fight, within the week, he gets the call to fight Anthony Joshua. So the the, the fight couldn't have happened at a better time. Why? Because we had we just had a, a ten a ten week camp getting ready for Dimitrenko. Took a week off. We get the call, so I get him right back in the gym again. And within four weeks, we find ourselves at the Madison, at the Madison Square Gardens fighting Anthony Joshua. So it wasn't, it wasn't an accident. You know, he was ready. You know, like I said, it couldn't have happened at a better time. We didn't have four weeks to prepare. We had 14. Yeah, he, was already, he was already in shape and he was already yeah, shot. You, you know, know what I mean? He's a, a Exactly. And then in, the, in between that, we had a tune-up fight with yeah, Dimitrenko. Yeah. Yeah, which is, you know, similar characteristics to, to Anthony Joshua. Tall, you know, muscular, well-built fighter. You know what I mean? Obviously, uh, uh, from uh, I believe he's from the Ukraine. Uh, and, you know, had that mechanical style, European style, Eastern European style, if you will. And But, but it, it, it came perfect. We get the fight. Four, four weeks later, we find ourselves at the Madison Square Garden again, June 1st. So we were, he was very well prepared. All I had to do, obviously, was make adjustments as far as the styles and, you know, come in with a good game plan, and it worked. And yeah, all of a sudden, you know, Andy Reese is the heavyweight champion of the world. I mean, it was, it was an historic night. You know, it's one of those nights you look back and you think, God, we were there. You know, it was uh, when the fight got made and Jarrell Miller uh, tested yeah. positive, Jarrell Miller, and that fight was off, and then they announced <laughs> that it was Andy Ruiz. I think I might have said it to you. I said it to someone. Maybe it was my brother. I said, you know, I said, this kid can fight, you know. I said, I know he doesn't look the part. I said, but I'm yeah. telling you, because back in 2010, when I was training out in the wild card, there was another mm-hmm. young kid there, 17 years old, Jose Benavides. That's right. Was, you know, everyone was talking yeah. about him, how good he was. And yeah. one morning, me uh, and Benav- Jose Benavides, his dad picked us up, and um, Andy Ruiz was with us. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, I didn't know who he was, and I was right. thinking, that kid's a boxer, you know. Anyway, I seen him sparring that afternoon in the gym, and I remember saying to my brother, I said, you know, that kid who was on the front with us this morning yeah. who didn't look the part, I said, he can fight, he can trust fight. me. So j- yeah. just tell us about, I'm slightly obsessed with the call, when you get the call for a big fight, and it comes out of the blue. So what happened? Because when Jarrell Miller um, returned his um, glowing green, mm-hmm. your example, um, so many things he failed for. We were hearing maybe Luis Ortiz. We were hearing, um, I think, Derek Chisora, who just appeared a minute ago. I think he might have thrown his name into the hat. Manuel Char was another one. And then, for us at least, out of left field, here comes Andy Ruiz. So mm-hmm. are you just sitting in the, in the office one day and the phone goes, or, or what, what happened? Well, what happened was Eddie, uh, Andy was the one calling Eddie Hearn asking for the fight. Give me a chance. Give me an opportunity. And within days, it, it was Andy that made that fight happen. Really, you know, he got he got in contact with the, with Eddie, and uh, one thing led to another. And it's just, hey, you got similar characteristics to, to to Miller. You know what I mean? Why why change anything? You know what I mean? I said you're getting ready for for Miller. Bring in Andy Reese, and for us, it was just a perfect situation. You know, going into the fight, obviously, the press conference, everything, it was all about Joshua and it was all about Wilder and Fury next, right. what happens. And, you know, I thought Andy Andy played a blinder. He just kind of went along with it. Yeah. He, played, he, played the, he very much played the role of I'm happy to be here. Uh-huh. You know what uh-huh. I mean? He, which was a good thing because he kind That's of right. lowered everyone's sense of... Uh, he mm-hmm. almost lured Joshua into a false sense of security a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, even when he got the picture with the belts, you know right. what I mean? Correct. He was very kind of Correct. submissive, wasn't he? Um, but listen, when the fight, when the bell rang, it's a different story, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, I mean, it's a humbling experience. We were humbled to be there and grateful for the opportunity, of course. And, and, and that's what that was. But it, it wasn't, look, I'm happy to be here. And that said, no, that wasn't the case. Yeah, you're happy to be there, but we're there for a reason. That's to become the heavyweight champion of the world. And, and we worked, he worked extremely hard for it. Like I said, he had just came from the Dimitrenko fight. And that was that. He was very well prepared for that fight, and it just made things a lot easier for me to prepare him for, uh, for the Anthony Joshua fight. You know what I mean? It just things couldn't have worked out better for for us in that situation. Did Did you see the fight going the way it was going to go, or did you think it'd be a twelve round fight? I mean, you never oh, know, man. do you? Hey, hey, ki- hey, kids. 
Hey everybody, sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in hell, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes. It's called The Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desiring Capital Podcast, coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go! Oh, man, I got to tell you, I was, you know, look, I've been in situations such as this one's in the past. You know, I've been, I've I've worked with, like I said, I've had many, many, I've worked with different world champions coming over with my dad, myself, and it's just, to me, I just took it with with, um, using my experience and just it's never over until it's over, including the time when, uh, when Andy hit the deck. Stay calm and collective. It's not over until the referee said the sights it's over. He got back up. You saw what happened. Then Andy turns around and knocks down uh, uh, Anthony Joshua. Comes back to the corner. Stay calm. Stay collective. Yeah. Look, listen to it. Obviously, you know, we had a game plan. Stick to the game plan. Listen to instructions. Take it one, one round at a time. Let's wear down. Let's work the body. Stick that jab to the body. Stick that right hand to the body. Look for that right hand over the top. And then what? When, when did it sink in? You know, like, you know, oh. when you're in there in the heat of the battle and the crowd and the atmosphere, but then you're, you're in the back in the change room and it hits you a little bit then, but then when you leave the arena and you're kind of walking out into Manhattan, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. When did it hit you? Yeah, well, it hit me. Just well, obviously, the title. I got to tell you, it hit me as soon as the, the fight was over, as soon yeah. as the, the, the referee ruled it was over. Yeah. It, like I said, it's never over until, you know, the, the, the referee declares the fight's over. And that, that's when I... I jumped in the ring, man, and I just, it was such an emotional moment mm. because we realized we just won the heavyweight championship of the world. And outside of that, look who we beat. Mm. We just beat the, we, we beat the man, you know, we beat the, the pound for pound, the best heavyweight in the world at the time. And I consider him to be pound for pound, the best heavyweight today. Uh, it's just a remarkable night, man. It's a very emotional night for all of us, you know, not, not just for us, but for an entire nation. Mexico has its... Yeah, first, first heavyweight, heavyweight champion, champion of the world. I mean, historical night, and uh, you know, I just man, I'll never forget that night. It's just, it's just I'm getting the chills. I bet you didn't sleep, hey, did you? Pinch me, please. <laughs> so let's 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 rewind a bit though. So when when Andy called Eddie uh, and you got the fight, what what kind of vibe did you get from Eddie Hearn? Because he, you know, you're not gonna. He, he, he thinks Anthony Joshua is going to beat Andy Ruiz. He probably thinks Andy Ruiz isn't going to cause him too many problems. I mean, that, that must have been what he was thinking. You don't go giving short notice fights to people you think are going to upset, you know, rip up the script. So what were you, were you, were you kind of grinning to yourself just thinking, you've, 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 you've got a big problem here, mate? Oh, no, we knew, we knew we were going to give Anthony Joshua a problem. Like I said... The situation, the circumstances couldn't have happened any better than the way they did. It's just coming from a fight, he was ready, he gets a knockout. I mean, look, we came in with a great game plan. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a coincidence, it wasn't an accident, you know. Uh, and you, you knew who Andy was. You, you know, for those of us that are familiar, you know, that knew but the, the, the state, you know, the, 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 the scene, the Southern, Southern California scene and, and obviously him being with top rank and, and uh, you know, uh, having experience as a professional when you getting an opportunity to see him at the gym, you knew that this kid could fight. And as you say, money, it, it, it was better than having ten weeks' notice because you wouldn't. If you had ten weeks, you, you actually had the fight in between. Do you know what I mean? So Correct. It's like, you know, it, it, you've had I like mean, a twelve-round spot. Like, you know what I mean? Even yeah. if you had a twelve-round spot, you couldn't have a better spot. Yeah, you basically had a twelve-round fight. We, we had a tune-up fight know, prior since, to to the know, Joshua fight. I'm telling as a that, coach, your weights where your weights want to be. You know what I mean? Fitness is up there. Your sharpness is there. Your confidence is there. Yeah. I, I, mean, did I, I think I read somewhere that you you had a dream at one point <laughs> okay. that he was going to knock out Anthony Joshua. Was that before the fight was even set? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, people must have thought I was crazy when I talked about this. Right? You're crazy, but I actually look. Premonition, <laughs> man. I'm telling you. But look, with the, Andy was going through a difficult situation at the time, as I mentioned before. He was having issues with uh, the, his last promotional company. 
and uh, he wasn't making any money. And, you know, he hadn't fought for a while. He wasn't making money. He and he was living in Southern California, but he's from Central California, which is a a cent, uh, a, a border town uh, in in south of uh, in Mexicali, uh, south of the border in Mexico, right? And uh, so he was hours away from 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 home, and but he he lived in California, training in in, in L.A. with me. And listen, there was a point in time where he said, "Look, he was getting ready to throw in the towel to say, look, I can't, I can't afford to live in Southern California and be here any longer. I don't have any money. I don't have the means to pay for rent, pay for my food, pay for, pay for training. So I have no choice but to retire. I probably have to go work construction with my father. And I said, look, kid, hang in there. Hang in there. Look, good things are going to happen. And that's when I actually did have the dream of him fighting Joshua and defeating Joshua for the heavyweight title. Believe it or not, it's honest to God, it's the truth. And I said, look, kid, I, 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 I had a dream that you were going to fight within the year. Within a year, you're going to fight for the world title. And guess what? You're going to fight Anthony Joshua. And, and guess what? You're going to defeat Anthony Joshua. I you told manifested him so. it. I did. I did. I'm telling you. I mean, and I said, you're going to defeat Anthony Joshua. Hang in there. Things are going to change. For the better, of course. And then eventually, as, as time went by, you know, I, I actually helped him find a, a, another place to stay because he couldn't, and he knows this, he couldn't afford, afford to pay for, for his rent where he was staying at in his apartment. So I called a friend and I said, hey, you have a, a spare room at home? He's a chef, actually, that, you know, uh, cooks for, you know, fighters and so forth. And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. I do have a spot. He didn't even know who Andy was. But I said, okay, you know, help me and I said yeah long story short we found him a place to stay he didn't have to end up going back home he stuck around you know he he kept training his luck changed when he signed with with Al Heyman and then eventually he got to fight again with Dimitrenko as I said and then the Joshua fight came and then the dream came true <laughs> yeah I mean this is this is another facet of being a boxing trainer Matt isn't it because Pep Guardiola, who, who's a leading soccer coach over here, right. the, the, the best soccer coach in the world probably, he, he doesn't have to sort his players out with somewhere to live. You know, that, that's all taken care of for him. But this is, this is what makes boxing trainers different, isn't it? Because it's this all-encompassing role where you have to be not just a trainer, you've got to be a, a shoulder to cry on, you've got to be a dad, you've got to be all of these different things. And, and he's just described it perfectly there. Yeah, I mean, boxing trainers, you know, as you hear it there, it, it, it's not just... Of however many hours they're in the gym mm -hmm. it's thinking that night who am I going to get sparring for this kid I need a, a different maybe in the southpaw oh I need to ring up a guy mm -hmm. yeah that kid is in the gym is he fit is he in shape can he come down mm -hmm. oh, he can't do it tomorrow what about the next day? you know what I mean it doesn't stop just for the few hours stops. that you're in the gym and like you know listen Anthony Joshua you're an Olympic gold medalist or you turn pro and you're fighting for world titles you're earning a lot of money you know you can bring the mountain to Mohammed a little bit and you've, you've got a great setup but before mm -hmm. you get there there's a lot of guys who are working a part-time or, or maybe not working, but they're yeah. really, they're roughing it, aren't they? They're slumming it really, trying to get by. Welcome to boxing. You know, it's not all glamour <laughs> at the top where you say, no you know, you're way. playing in the Premier League footballer. Trust me, none yeah. of them guys are worrying about where to stay. <laughs> That's right. It's, that's, it's, a different, it's a different lifestyle in boxing. I always call boxing the poor man's sport, man. You know, you, you go through a lot to make it to the top, to get to the top. And as you well know, uh, you know, it's, it's never easy. It's never easy. And then fighters like, there's a million stories like Andy's, right? Where a lot of these fighters are, uh, uh, you know, getting ready to throw in the towel and they're running out of patience. Boxing is also, apart from being, uh, uh, you know, from having discipline and, and obviously having the skills, is a game of patience. Do, do you know when you think about it? What, think of the storyline in Rocky 1. The, guy, the, the main guy gets injured, so they're bringing Rocky Balboa, right. an underdog. You know, Andy Ruiz yeah. is a real-life Rocky story. Yeah. That's a Rocky story. It, it, it all comes back to Rocky in the end, doesn't it? <laughs> we, we, on this podcast, we, we, our, our success rate with finding Rocky comparisons and analogies is pretty much 100%. Yeah. We reckon we can find a Rocky story in, in, yeah, in basically the, the moral to the story in a lot yeah, of the Rocky movies ring true in the, in the real life, Absolutely. Don't they? No, I agree. Rocky right. working, a, working a, a, a job and, and then at the same time being, you know, be, 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 being a fighter. Yeah. You know Gets what I mean? Shot it, out of nowhere. It, it doesn't get, it, 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 it does not get any more real than that, right? I mean, it's just like, Look, and the thing, the thing with Andy is, we, what makes it so special, the, the situation with Andy, we, we, you know, won the world title, was the fact that 
we can compare ourselves to Andy Reese. Most of us can compare ourselves to Andy Reese more so than we could with An- Anthony Joshua. I mean, if you look at Anthony Joshua, no, most of us do not look like a, a, a Joshua, but most of us do look like an Andy Reese. You know what I mean? So he makes us believe. He made us believe that night. He made us dream and believe that hey, if he can do it, I can do it. Yeah. It doesn't matter what 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 you do in life. You know what I mean? You could be a again a construction worker. You can be a boxer. You can be a soccer player. Whatever it is. He made us believe that night, and and he made us. And dreams do come true. Yeah, it's inspirational, isn't it? It's it's very like inspirational. You say, it shows that dreams do come true. Yeah, you know, I no longer work for with Andy, as you all know, but we still have a we have a good relationship, and Andy and I are friends. We you know we 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 get along fine with one another. I just saw him recently, and you know we we we'll, we'll never forget. You know we'll never forget what we did that night. No, and no, will no will anybody else. I don't think anyone who was in Madison <laughs> Square Garden will ever forget <laughs> that. Crazy. The, the place was going absolutely crazy. I mean, it was just, it was, it was unbelievable. So let's 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 go back to fight week. As Matt said, Andy, Andy played it brilliantly because he had the photo taken with the belts, and he and he did just kind of look like he was happy to be there. That press conference Matt was talking about, we had a fighter meeting ourselves, Sky and and Dazone, and there was. A load of questions about Deontay Wilder because I think that week he announced he was going to fight Luis Ortiz. I think something like that, wasn't it? And there was like two questions about about Andy. How was he? How was he during the week? It was it was the ever? I mean, fighters are different. You know, some fighters need to be reassured. Some don't. Some need to be fired up. Some need to be calmed down. How was well, he? Well, try to keep on focus. Obviously, continue to work. Continue to. Uh, 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 visualize the fight before the fight, you know, and envision the fight, envision yourself stepping into that ring. So we did a lot of that, um, you know, a lot of good good communication. Um, uh, like I said, even up until the, 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 the day before the weigh-in, we were still working. I still had him running the treadmill and because I wanted to hit, I wanted him to get on the scale and hit a specific weight. So we never really did stop working. We're, we were, he was ready. Mentally, physically, spiritually, and things just worked out to our favor. You know what I mean? Leading the week of the fight was just excited to obviously excited to be in 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 New York City. There's no other place like New York City. The Madison Square Garden is a magical place for boxing. It's just remarkable. And uh, you know, I use my experience as a coach to keep them focused. You know, keep the eye on the big, uh, your eyes on the big price. And, and, you know, like I said, things just worked out for the better. And they worked out in our favor. And uh, he became the heavyweight champion of the world, man. What was the Monday after the fight? Like, you're back in the gym. I'm back in the gym. What can I say? But, like, did did you come down? Were you still flying? Like, how did you feel? Yeah, look, me, I'm always in the gym. Personally, I came home Sunday and I was back in the gym Monday. Obviously, it wasn't the same. It was definitely not the same. And I, and I, what came after, I definitely did not expect it. I mean, like I said, you know, we've won. I won world title fights with other boxers, but not at this level. I mean, to win the heavyweight championship of the world in that fashion and that versus kind of Joshua, and that kind of upset. And yes, I forget about it. I mean, yeah. we visited the president, yeah. uh, the president of Mexico, <laughs> man, for Pete's sake. You know, who would have thought we went to? You know, and it was funny how they they, they interviewed um, Andy, and they asked him, "Would you would you you know something? And then would would you visit the the you know, would you go want to visit the, uh, uh, Donald Trump at the White House?" And I said, "I'd rather go visit the the president in Mexico." And that's exactly what happened. And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves in Mexico within you know within the month or so, and, and you know with the with the president. I'm like, I couldn't believe it. I mean, is this real? You know what I mean? But yeah, sure enough, man. It was like a blessing, definitely. Was it was it difficult then? Because I know you train a lot of fighters in mm-hmm. that gym. Was it difficult then to kind of just maintain the focus and get things back to how they were? Yeah, no, it would no, it, it really wasn't. It really wasn't. You have to stay. You know, it was a humbling experience, yes. But you have to keep your feet on the ground and know that you got to keep going. You know, there's other fighters in the gym that depend on you, that are counting on you. And I, I've never depended on one boxer only. I've never depended on Andy only or other boxers. So, therefore, my focus has always been 
with every one of my boxers. I don't care if you're a world champion or you're a or if you're a four round fighter. You know what I mean? To me, they're all important. What's important to them, it's important to me. So, so I'm just showing these two a picture of something because uh, a WhatsApp group that I'm on with some so-called friends of mine, they, they managed to take a screenshot of my face at ringside when, oh, when the carnage you? was unfolding at Madison Square Garden. That's been blown out of proportion because <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually look like that. But, but a lot of people listening to this, um, this sounds terribly self-indulgent, but you, you might have seen these pictures of the commentary table and me and Macklin and Adam Smith and Paulie Malinaggi just looking at what was unfolding before us just wide-eyed and absolutely yeah, yeah, speechless yeah. because that that what happened from the third round onwards was when he got put down mm-hmm. like you said you've got to stay calm it, there are two roles for a trainer aren't there there's the gym and then there's the night mm-hmm. um, when he got put down what were you thinking at that point I knew I had a real fighter I knew I had a fighter with a yeah. huge heart man and I knew that, uh, you know, Andy was not going to go down and stay down and give up. We weren't there for a payday. We were there to win the heavyweight championship of the world. He was prepared. You know, he didn't come in half-ass. You know, he came in fully prepared, as I explained. And uh, it, was, it wasn't an accident. I, do, you, do you remember what I thought when he went down? It was meant to be. It was a great shot. But I remember when he went down, he got straight up and I knew he yeah. was fine. You could see yeah. his head had completely cleared. His legs were solid. Yeah. And I thought, nah, he's not hurt now. He's fine. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when you're in good shape. You're able to take them type of shots. You know what I mean? Just, just a few seconds after that, and I always remember this, he he, he, he got hit by an absolutely massive right hand. The, the biggest right hand Anthony Joshua could possibly throw, the kind of biting point distance, weight transfer, everything on it was perfect. It was huge. And, and, he, and he just took it. He ate it in up. Saudi. Yeah. First yeah. round, yeah. No, yeah. In, 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 in Madison Square Garden. In Madison the beginning Square Garden. of the end, right? Most, most people thought. So, were you, were you aware when he caught Joshua in, in the third round? Joshua in that fight, I guess you would describe him as he got hit and he stayed hit. That, that's what we say about mm-hmm. fighters sometimes, mm-hmm. isn't it? He was scrambled from that point onwards, really. Did you... Did your experience I tell you that, that really he wasn't going to be able to shake that off and this was a matter of time or, or not? It's, look, you, it's, it's boxing. All it takes is one punch. So you, you just never know what could happen in a fight. Obviously, we had a game plan, and the game plan was to wear him down and go to the body, obviously. I don't think Anthony Joshua had ever fought, any, had ever fought anybody like Andy Reese. I really believe that. It's just, it's, it, Andy Reese is something... Anthony Joshua had never seen before, and I, you know, I, I feel like I'm right. You know what I mean? And he learned from that. Obviously, you all, all saw the second fight, but um, I just felt that look, he's never faced anybody like 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 Andy. That that tells you something. When he ate that big right hand, he got right back up. I mean, I, I'm sure Anthony Joshua must have thought, wait a minute, this guy got back up. I mean, well, this guy's got a chin. This guy's gonna, yeah, I'm in for a fight, and that's exactly what happened. Um, even after the fact that uh, Andy dropped Joshua in the same round, he comes back to the corner and, listen, take it one round at a time. Don't get excited. Stay calm. Stay collected. Stick to the game plan. Every round. It's a, it's a 12-round fight. It's not, you know, we're not here for a knockout. Just if it happens, let it happen. So be it. And, you know, as the fight progressed, I noticed that uh, Joshua was starting to wear down and I noticed that some shots to the body were starting to cause an effect on Anthony Joshua and that's what led us to the knockdown. Yeah, I, I was going to say, those body shots, you know, yeah. pe- people, um, I think, underplay that, the, 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 the effect yeah. the body shots were having on that night. And they, that, that's what got the openings yeah. a little bit as yeah. well. I know he, he went into an exchange and a bit of a Correct. shootout, which mm-hmm. was, from Joshua's point of view, that was a mistake. You know, he, he hooked with a shorter guy with faster hands. Well, you know the saying, right? Go to the body and the head will follow, and that's exactly what happened. So, in a fight like that, when there's the prize is so big, is there any point during it where it pops into your head what is on the line here and what is just t- touching distance away, or can you not? Can you not allow that? Can you, you prevent? Can it. you prevent it? Absolutely, I can't. It starts with me. It starts with the coach. You know, we 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 create the the atmosphere in the locker room, in the gym. The environment we create that environment so there's no impossible if, if somebody's giving us an opportunity if somebody's giving us a chance to fight for the world title you best believe we're going to take advantage of it 
and 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 the only thing you should be thinking about as a fighter is to go out there and win win at all costs at any cost but as a coach i have a great friend that once told me you hope for the best but you prepare for the worst as a coach as a boxing trainer you have to be obviously hope for the best but at the same time you got to prepare for the worst and understand that it's boxing anything can happen we i was prepared personally that night but i also understood that this was a great opportunity and i had to make sure that my my fighter and andy reese was mo- definitely more than anything physically ready but mentally ready and believe that he could that he could win Hey everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. The when Joshua was going down, when he was when it was near the end. And we could all see that it was that it was near the end. What are you thinking then? Are you looking was, at him when you're just thinking? I was looking at the ref and telling myself, "Stop the fucking fight, <laughs> please." That's what I was getting at. That's what I was getting at. Oh man, I gotta be honest with you. Definitely. I mean, I would, I would, I would be lying to you if I if I didn't think that. But but as the fight progressed, right? As as I saw. And noticed that Joshua was starting to wear down, and he wasn't the same fighter any longer. And that there was a point where I, 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 uh, I was getting uh, the bell rang, and uh, Andy was coming back to the corner. And as he was sitting down, I looked, I looked over at Joshua, and I pointed at Joshua, and I said, "Look at Joshua. He's not the same fighter. You're wearing him down. He's not get- believe that." And I really, I think that it, 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 it triggered. Uh, um, Andy, where in the seventh round it led, it led to the, the the first knockdown and then the stoppage, the second knockdown and then and then the stoppage, and it was just a matter of time. I believe it. Then then it was a matter of time, and but I, you know the referee must have counted to thirty, and and I said, man, come on now, stop the fight already, you know, and and then because you just never know, you just never know what could happen. And uh, you know, luckily for fortunately for us, you know, we got the stoppage and and we got you know he got, he got the win. I mean, the, the fallout amongst UK fight fans and, and on our side of the Atlantic was was obviously focused on on on, on Joshua and there were all these stories about how he'd how he'd had some kind of fit in the changing room beforehand, how yeah. he didn't look right on the ring walk and all this kind of stuff. Did you? I mean, you know, everybody in boxing, you're, you're compassionate men, particularly trainers. I guess a part of you must have just thought, God, this poor kid, like he's two yeah. days ago, he was, everybody was telling him how amazing it was. And now and people are saying he's quitting and he's this and he's that. It's a, it's a brutal old, old game, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, look, I got to tell you, you got to commend and, and respect Anthony Joshua for his behavior after the fight because he, he never found an excuse. He never looked for an excuse. He never... He took the fight like a man. I mean, he took the loss like a man and said, hey, listen, I lost to the better man. He's a world champion, and I, I, I respect him for that. I, 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 Joshua is someone that, that I, I'm a fan of. I've been following Joshua since he was an amateur, and I met him back at the, at, in uh, Baku, Azerbaijan, when he won the silver medal in the, at the world championships, and I became a fan back then. And what he was able to do at the Olympic Games, win the gold, became a world champion at you know, I, we, I faced him we, with uh, uh, um, um, Dominic Brazil when he first meet, when he f- had his first title defense, and I believe uh, uh, at the time uh, Dominic Brazil was actually the fighter that took him the longest in his fight. I believe the fight was stopped in the seventh or eighth round, but before then he was stopping everybody within the first couple of rounds. So, you know, we gave we gave him a, a run for his money, if you will. So I knew we were up against fighting Anthony, you know, Anthony Joshua, but I also understood that I had a different fighter with Andy Reese. That Andy Reese was not uh, Dominic Brazil. That had a much better, you know, chance with 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 Andy versus versus Joshua the second time around. So, so what was it like in the in the dressing room afterwards? What was the Crazy. immediate aftermath like? I, gotta, I, I have to be honest with you. I mean, we were 
we were crying, hugging, hugging each other, embracing each other. Uh, very emotional. Some of us were crying. Some, some of us could not believe it. But it was just a very emotional, very, very exciting moment for all of us. It was just uh, an unforgettable night. And leading up to the back to the hotel and, you know, the, the very few Mexican fans that were present were, you know, waiting for us at the hotel, the outs- outskirts of the hotel. And were, you know, singing and, 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 and rejoicing. And just like, you know, I remember at the, uh, at the uh, press conference... I said this when, I, when it was my opportunity to come to the podium and speak. I said, we're all coming into Sweet Caroline, but at the end of the night, we're all walking out to Mexico Lindo, Mexico Lindo y Querido. And again, they must have thought it was crazy, and that's exactly what that was. So that night, uh, after the fight at the hotel, I, I, again, as I said, the very few Mexican fans that were there and friends and family that were there, we all embraced and... Okay, now it's time to sing Mexico Lindo Querido. So that's exactly what we did, man. It was remarkable. I mean, how would you come down? I'm just thinking, how would you come down from a night like that? I mean, you know, when you win a six rounder, you can't really sleep because you're that wired <laughs> on adrenaline and you're that happy. Even just yeah. winning a six rounder earlier on in your career, but to win the heavyweight championship when you were that big of an underdog, because let's right. face it, yeah. outside of your team, yeah. nobody thought Andy Ruiz was winning that fight. Absolutely. No one. That was like, it's as big as upset. You know, uh, Maybe not odds-wise compared to Douglas Tyson, but it's got to have been the biggest since then. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The biggest no. fight since the biggest uh, 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 fights and stance, and like as you said, nobody, everybody, nobody, nobody ever expected Mike Tyson to lose to Buster Douglas, mm. and 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 there hadn't been an, an upset this big since since that fight. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree with that, and and also because with that fight, I know people could be wise after the event, but there were. The word on the on the grapevine around that fight, if you were really close to it, was that, that that all was not well with Tyson going into that fight. Whereas there was none of that chat with Joshua. I know after the event, people talk about this, that, and the other, but the line was going into it. He looks amazing, like he always does, and he had a great camp and, and all the rest of it. So as you say, there were no excuses afterwards. Um, we, we know what happened in, in the rematch, and, and we won't. We don't need to talk about it at any great length, but. It is quite a classic boxing story in a way. Somebody hits the jackpot unexpectedly and then it's hard to handle, I think would be the, the, I think the fair way to describe it. I mean, was there a point after that where you were wondering if, if you were ever going to see him again? It was because a total 360, man. I mean, like I tell you, here you got to get a boy, right? You got a kid that comes from the hood and... As I said before, he was broke, you know, uh, he, he had nothing, you know, he, he, he was this close to retiring from boxing and all of a sudden you, you, you wake up the next day and you realize you're the heavyweight champion of the world, you look at your bank account and all of a sudden you got an extra few zeros in that bank account and now, you know, you find yourself be, hey, listen, I'm a millionaire. And the guarantee of another big and payday. Oh, of another you know. big payday, exactly. And I, look, I did everything I could, and, and Andy knows this. I did everything in my power to, to, to try to keep him focused, get him back in the gym. Uh, it's, he, you know, the worst thing that happened was exactly that, winning the world title and then taking three months off. And not me, I didn't, after we went to Mexico City to visit the president, I didn't see him for a couple of months. And when he came back to the gym, he was, he was in, he wasn't in shape. So I mean, the, when, it before, was bad. Before the fight in Saturday, there was so much talk, certainly in the UK, and, and I think in America, about, you know, immediate rematches don't normally fare too well. Right. Uh, Ron Borges did a big piece going, you know, listing like the top, you know, 20 fights where there mm. was immediate rematches and they went the same way as the first fight. And, you know, inside, I remember thinking, oh, you know, if they... Is this really the right move? Should he have a fight in between, get his confidence mm. back first? But there was so much riding on it, I think, with mm-hmm. the, the, the whole zone deal and everything else, that it was kind of, he kind of had to go straight back into it. But, so I was thinking, this might be, a, this, could, this could go the same way. You know, mm-hmm. you do all, your history says, history mm-hmm. repeats itself. But when he came in on the scales and he was over 20 stone, mm-hmm. so I, I don't know what that is in mm-hmm. pounds, but he was mm-hmm. 20 stone, mm-hmm. I thought, nah, he's too heavy. Yeah, That's too a heavy. bad sign. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I, I never lost hope. I, um, I would have him at the gym, and then all of a sudden I would lose him and not see him for a couple of days. And I'm like, I had no control. 
uh, people would ask me, hey, what, what's up with Andy? Where's Andy? I'm like, look, I'm not, I'm not his babysitter, man. I'm not his dad, man. I don't know. I'm in the gym. I'm working with my other fighters. I'm in the gym every day. You know, I, I try to meet him at, at the track in the morning. He doesn't show up. You know, set up sparring for him in the gym. He doesn't show up for sparring. He doesn't show up for training. I mean, what can I do? What can you, you know? do? What can you do? What can I do? Really? We talk about this often, don't we? How, how boxing, it's such a great human interest sport because I mean, it's, just, it's just humans generally. We don't learn, do we? Down history. Yeah. Humans, oh, history repeats itself, yeah, doesn't history it? History repeats All itself again and again and again. It is a classic boxing tale, the kind of, as you described it, it was from where he was. It was rags to riches. And then it is just very, very difficult to, to get your head around, very difficult to handle. But when all said and done, one thing that fighters have always got to remember is that that, that night in Madison Square Garden, that will never not have happened. It doesn't matter. To an extent, Correct. it doesn't matter what happened after that because there will never be another day in your lives where that didn't happen. Yeah, well, listen, we made history. He's the first and only Mexican heavyweight champion of the world. Is that going to ever happen again? I don't know. Not, not in the near not in future. Not foreseeable. You know, correct. I mean, unless uh, Andy gets an opportunity to fight for the heavyweight championship uh, of the world again, Do you think again, he can come maybe. again? Do you think Andy can come again? Uh, and win the right the Andy, again? yes. The right Andy, the right Andy... Mentally, physically prepared, disciplined, will give anybody a run for their money. You know what I mean? Okay, well, we, we, can't, we, um, we can't get too much into the fight this weekend because it'll be over by the time we play this. But, but what we can do is, is get your thoughts on another one that's coming up in, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, Fury against Wilder, the third fight. Which a while ago was described by some people as the third fight, the, 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 the rubber match, the trilogy fight that nobody wanted after the, after the second fight. But the closer it gets, and I'm going, the more excited I'm, I'm getting about it. Do you see, can Deontay Wilder do whatever he needs to do to, to change the outcome this time? Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee you the show will always have great laughs, catch up on life's in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the One Stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan, New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts, One Star Recruits. Well, look, I, uh, I think this time off for uh, Wilder has been to his benefit. Uh, I've said this before. I, I believe that Wilder depends too much on his right hand. Right, but now, as we all know, he's got a new coach, Malik Scott, behind him, and uh, he's been working with him. And one thing that I've, I, I, I gave my opinion, and I said, look, Walder needs to go back to the basics. He needs to go back to work on his mechanics, work on his fundamentals, work on that jab, work on his skills. And if he can do that, maybe perhaps get one or two tuna fights in between prior to fighting uh, Tyson Fury again. He didn't do that, but he's been in the gym, and we all know he's been working. Uh, another thing is Fury tested positive for, for, for COVID. And, uh, and that, I, I believe that was to uh, Walder's benefit, yeah. you know, having that time, the extra time in the gym, again, to work on his, work on his fundamentals. And, and, and I've been watching his videos. I've been watching him train. I've been, you know, seeing, staying up to date as far as to what he's doing. And he's a different fighter. He's not the same fighter that fought uh, Tyson Fury last he year. He definitely seems a lot more fired a, up. A lot more fired up, a lot more focused. And, and you know, his demeanor is different now. And, his, again, he's working on his skills, polishing his skills, working on that jab. I, I believe we're going to see a different fight. I still favor uh, Fury. You got to, especially after, you know, his last performance. But... Uh, I, I, I just don't see the same fight playing out, the same type of fight playing out. I believe we're going to see something different. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I, I still, I still uh, think Fury will win, but I think we're definitely going to see a better Wilder. A better Wilder, yes. 
is there any chance that there might be even on the most minor level some kind of complacency from Tyson Fury because complacency can come in many forms it doesn't mean that you're spending all night at the bar in the casino mm -hmm. and, and not training it can just be as simple as deep down you really don't think he can beat you and mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Fury does think that given what he did to mm -hmm. him in the second fight is that a danger is, I think is that a danger for a trainer that you need to be really careful about absolutely and I think all that time off that he's had can it, it, it's going to favor someone and I think it's going to favor Wilder and, and, and this isn't helping. I don't believe it's helping. The time off, away from the ring and not fighting, I don't believe it's help, uh, helping Tyson Fury. Well, I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it because what we're hoping is that Anthony Joshua will beat, will beat Usyk. This is what British fans yeah. are hoping. And Tyson Fury will beat Wilder. And then we'll, and then we'll see that fight. So just to finish off with, we can, we can play a, a fun game given that the fight's coming up on Saturday and people will know what, what has happened by the, time, by the time they listen to this. Um, I mean, you'll be really good at this because your dream, you predicted, you predicted okay. Andy Ruiz right, beating see, Anthony Joshua. So, so what, what, by the time, by the time, yeah, what will have happened by the time people listen to this? Okay, well, I predict uh, Anthony Joshua winning Saturday night, a close decision. It's not going to be an easy, uh, an easy fight for Anthony. Uh, I believe Usyk has the skills to definitely the experience. He's got the amateur pedigree. He's a former world champion at the cruiserweight division. He's a softball. You got to remember, Anthony Joshua hasn't fought a softball since uh, uh, um, Charles, Martin. Charles Martin back in, what was that, 2016? Way so, back. Way back. So hasn't fought a softball since then. And, you know, and Usyk is not Charles Martin. Usyk, all due respect to Charles yeah, Martin. Yeah, I, I yeah, trained yeah, Charles yeah. Martin myself, but styles make fights. And, and uh, obviously, we all know that Usyk has that amateur pedigree. You know what I mean? A former world champion in his weight division, Olympic gold medalist. This guy, he's special. He's special, and he's, he's going to give Anthony a run for his money. But at the end of the day, Anthony has that experience. And one thing, as I always say, you learn more from your defeats than you do from your wins. And Anthony Joshua learned a great deal from that uh, uh, Andy Reese fight. He knows how to adapt. He knows how to make changes. He understands that now. He's not complacent. He's like, oh, I beat. I don't need to change anything. I, I want every fight. No, when you taste defeat, you understand that you have to. You, you become more coachable, and you, you 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 listen to your coaches, listen to the people that are around you that that mean well, that that want the best for you. And I think I believe Anthony Joshua has that, and you'll be able to make the 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 necessary uh, changes to defeat Usyk come Saturday night. Macklin. Yeah, same thing. I, I think he's probably going to. Uh, I think he's going to win. I think probably. By, I think I, I see him stopping him around maybe round ten. But I think he's going to have to come from behind to do it. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same. I've 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 tuned and froed with this, which is great because if you can't make up your mind, then you know it's you know it's a good fight. Originally, I thought that he could he could make that ring a small place and and, and stop Usyk mid to late. Then earlier this week, I was thinking that that maybe he might stand off him a little bit too much. And I can see him maybe being behind at halfway or, or even after eight rounds and, and, and realising that he's got, to, he's got to put it on him a bit more and, and pulling it out of the bag that way, possibly. But I'm flip-flopping all over the place. It's a different story every day with me this week. So, but as I say, that's a good sign because you know when you're not sure, um, you know that it's going, to be, it's going to be worth watching. Well, Manny, thanks very much for doing this. Best, best of luck with your guy, Chris Owsley. Um, he has got Kastan Baisangurov um, on our Facebook fight. That's one of ours, Matt, um, earlier in the night. Interesting lad, Chris Owsley, actually. Um, having a chat to him earlier in the week and just a good story. He, he, went to, he went to Canelo Mayweather in 2013 as a spectator. Had a look at boxing close up and thought, yeah, I just... I fancy some of this and having never boxed before decided to go to the gym and that, that was going to be him I mean that, that, not many people do that do they and, and about he's a got year. a very interesting story this kid's got a you know he went to university he's got a degree uh, um, he uh, he played football he, he comes from a, American football that is he's come, he comes from a, a football background and uh, you know he's a firefighter he was this close to becoming a police officer I mean this kid had other choices in life he could have followed other paths but instead he decided to become a professional fighter 
and you know, and and, and and listen, and he can fight, and you'll see Saturday night. He this kid can, he's learning on the go. He's learning with every fight, and uh, you know, he's he's a fan friendly fight. I think most people will like what they see come come Saturday. Good stuff. Looking forward to it, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, it'll be great. It'll be great. Well, Macklin could have been a solicitor. Macklin could have been a lawyer, Manny. He, he started a law degree and then packed it in after after a year because he decided the boxing right. was the was the better option. Okay, well, we'll 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 wrap it up there. Um, like I said, it's great to be back. Just just looking around the the foyer at the minute, it, it reminds us a little bit of Saudi Arabia. This where the where the hotel foyer lobby was just busy every day, just people wandering around, always available. Uh, for a chat. Uh, Macklin's take amazingly has been done more during COVID um, than, than not because we started really uh, around that AJ Ruiz fight in June 2019 then from March 2020 up until well today really we've been we've been on Zoom which um, yeah god I was sick of Zoom by the end of it we'll, 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 we'll still use it from, from time to time but, but it's great to be back great to be back out and about um, thanks very much for listening we will catch you again soon Not that Maggie back in town. I said, Jenny Diver, whoa, Sookie Tawdry, look out to Miss Lottie Linger and old Lucy Brown. Yes, that line falls on the right, babe. Not that Maggie. Back in town Look out, old Mac is back Sports Social Podcast Network So I, I know you've got a lot going on But remember, I'm here for you So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.